E-A-B-L-E-S. Ebels. Remember that name because if you suffer from chronic joint and muscle pain like me, then Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil is your answer to your prayers. The Ebels story began with the search for something natural to help manage chronic migraines. But Ebels helps more than just migraines. From managing chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more, Ebels is truly a game changer in the natural alternatives to big pharma drugs. And yours truly, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, can indeed vouch for the quality of Ebels. Having a herniated disc in my back, whew, coupled with years of sports injuries, I was struggling to find something, anything to help manage my pain. That is until Ebels. With the best quality product and customer service in the industry, Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil and Ebels Freeze Gel easily stand above all the competition. And right now, Ebels is offering a special discount to all members of the Brian Nichols Show audience on all orders. All you have to do is head to Ebels.com and use promo code TB. NS, the Brian Nichols Show, right? TBNS at checkout. That's it. Discount applied. Again, the code is TBNS at checkout to start managing your pain today with the highest quality CBD on the market. One more time, that is code TBNS at checkout. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At the Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. It's Sunday, and that means, yes, folks, you are back in store for part two of our brand new Sunday candidate series here on The Brian Nichols Show. Today, we are joined by Martha Bueno, who is running for Miami-Dade District 10 down in the great state of Florida. Now, Martha has been doing a lot of work in the the libertarian activism world, specifically looking at that in uh, marijuana and cannabis legalization, uh, and she's been doing great work. So it's great to hear not only her story, but what her vision is for uh, the greater District 10 and also Miami-Dade in general. So that being said, onto the show, Martha Bueno here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Martha, thank you so much for joining The Brian Nichols Show. And let's start off. Thank you for all the work you've been doing in activism across uh, the, the libertarian world for many years. Let's kind of start off here. I was saying beforehand, my show has folks from all walks of life and all political means of thought who listen. And I, I think right now we're at a great chance for them to be introduced to the one and only Martha Bueno. So Martha, let's kind of start off. Tell your story. What got you into politics and specifically in this libertarian world you find yourself in? Wow. What got me into politics? Um, I think the fact that, uh, I, first of all, I'm not a politician. I know I'm running for a seat, but I really hate that word. Um, what I am tending to do is to run for this spot because I need to shine a light on what's going on. That's really the bottom line of why I'm doing this and why I care. Um, there's a lot of, of, I don't know what you want to call it, corruption or just uh, money being misspent in Miami-Dade, and I'm kind of over it. I really want it to end. Um, I see all these policies. I go and I speak before the commissioners, and I try and get them on my side and not spend this money and not do these things, and it doesn't work out. And so, um, you know, I think the only way to make change happen is to run for the seat and hopefully get it. 
and then be able to really make the change. And if not, then I've had the opportunity to speak to so many people and be like, hey, this is what's going on. Um, hopefully <laughs> people care. And I think local politics is where it is. Local politics is where the real stuff happens. You know, everybody's yeah. focused on the presidential race. Everybody's focused on these things. And your money is really getting misspent or spent in the local, you know, in your local and neck of the woods. Uh, Miami-Dade County has a $9 billion budget for just over three, 3 million people. That's a lot of money for the services we're getting or not getting. Yeah, I think more and more people, and we're seeing this right now, especially in an era of COVID, I think more people just by the nature of the, the fact that they either A, have been held, uh, you know, home away from their jobs, not by choice. Uh, and now they're just hyper aware of everything that's going on. And they're realizing that a lot of the stuff that our government does just doesn't make sense. And they're starting to ask more and more. And I love to see this. Why? Why? Why is it like this? So, Martha, you, you mentioned that there's, there's some stuff that you've noticed in, in Miami-Dade specifically that raised some red flags. You mentioned the $9 billion for 3 million residents. That doesn't seem to compute. So I'm sure that's at the top of the list. But let's kind of go through what other issues have you identified as some maybe uh, red flags that have been raised up in your eyes in Miami-Dade? Oh, well, there's plenty of them. But, you know, the COVID situation was really why I decided to actually throw my hat in the race and run. Um, this year with COVID, a lot of the services were shut down, you know, schools yeah. were shut down and um, transportation, local transportation, which by the way, our local transportation in Miami is terrible. Um, but those things were shut down and yet they raised our property taxes by like quite a bit. So, I mean, it, it was just frustrating to see that even though these, this money isn't getting spent the way we ha had anticipated, they're like, well, here's more. And there's an average of a, of about 50 percent of Miamians that can't pay their property taxes. And so uh, despite it being so high, our commissioners were like, hey, let's, you know, raise that even more. So it really is frustrating. And then there's lots of issues. I mean, I could go down the gamut, but just our transportation, we have some of the worst uh, public transportation in the country. You can't get to places like uh, in New York or, you know, other major cities that have subways and have good public service. We don't have that. And over 20 years ago, they raised our sales taxes a half a penny for uh, transportation. So after 20 years, now they're in, now they're saying, oh, well, half a penny just isn't enough. Now we need a full penny and maybe even two pennies. So, you know, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but they've collected over a billion dollars with that plan. And they haven't done anything really to improve it. Um, they're just paying, you know, bus drivers more money or whatnot. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's terrible. It really, the whole situation is just terrible. And I'm not saying that I can fix it, but I absolutely want to try. And there's 13 people on the commission. And so I would be one of 13. And I just, I, the biggest thing would be raising awareness, really. I need people to know what's going on in their neck of the woods. Yeah, for sure. And I think to your point, as we start to have more of an opportunity to talk about the solutions, right? This is where I think we're going to have some some real long-term success because I think once folks start to not just hear about what we're talking about, but actually see it in their real lives, they're going to be like, oh, that's what they're talking about. That's what Martha's been pointing out this whole time. So let's kind of rewind, right? I'm sure there are some things that have been 
at the top of your list on term uh, or in terms of priorities. And you mentioned obviously transportation and such, but let's kind of rewind beyond just like Miami day. Let's kind of go back to, to Martha and what got you really focused on politics or I guess not necessarily politics, but really on these ideas of Liberty. What kind of got you interested to the point that now you are in this activist role running for uh, for elected office? All right. So, um, somewhere in the early two thousands, I voted for George W. Bush and uh, was a Republican because that's what my parents were. Um, my parents are Cuban immigrants. Um, my father was thrown in jail for, he was given a sentence of six to eight years in Cuba for trying to leave the country. And so um, that right there kind of cemented where I come from. My, my mother broke my dad out of jail. Um, my dad stayed in an outhouse, in a house close to Guantanamo Bay. I, I mean, the wow. story is really, <laughs> yeah. What a badass yeah. mom. <laughs> No, yeah, <laughs> you're not kidding. She really is. She broke him out of jail um, and drove him across Cuba to Guantanamo, to the city, the city right outside of it. He stayed there for about a month and uh, had to escape through an outhouse, swim across the bay, and make it to Guantanamo Bay. So he did this in the in the cover of night, like you know, it was like one of these a spy movie needs to be made about him. You know, it's sure. like. <laughs> So um, he, he left Cuba, pulled my, my family out, my mom, my brother, my uh, grandparents, et cetera. And so I've been hearing these stories my whole life. And not only that, I've not been able to meet most of my family in Cuba. I have uh, cousins and my grandparents. I wasn't able to ever meet them, the ones that stayed behind my mom's parents. So, I mean, socialism, communism, it's something that I not only lived you know, because I didn't get to see my family and I lived through the stories of my parents, but I also lived in Venezuela for six years. And I lived in Venezuela in the 90s when Venezuela was the most prosperous country in Latin America. And right now it is the worst. Um, the average Venezuelan makes about a dollar a month in salary. So, I mean, it's just, it's a miserable situation. They were the uh, country with the most amount of oil, petroleum in the world. They, I mean, they beat Saudi Arabia, they beat, you know, every country that we import oil from by a long shot. And they, um, I mean, when I lived there, you could fill up your tank of gas. And I mean, it was full service. They'd check your oil, they'd wash your windscreen. I mean, it was the whole thing for $5. I mean, you could fill up your tank for five bucks. And it was amazing. And now Venezuela, even though they have all these reserves, because it's been nationalized, because um, it's under the control of the Chavistas, um, you know, now they can't even, they don't even have gas for themselves. So these are the things that I've learned because I've lived in these countries and I've, and, or, or you know, lived in Venezuela, been exposed to Cuban, um, the regime. And so when people tell me that socialism is good, you know, I, I, these are the things that I'm like, wait, what, what are we talking about here? I think we all have the good intentions. It's just how we get there. And so that's a big driving force of, you know, where I'm coming from. And so, like I said, I voted for Bush and then we went to war. I mean, 9-11 happened, we went to war um, and I had a brand new baby. And I remember just thinking like, I don't understand why. I don't get, if I had to explain it to him, why we're going to war, I don't get it. Um, that baby is now 20 and we're still at war with the same country and I still don't get it. I still don't know how to explain it to him. And so I started getting involved. Um, I have four kids. I was really busy being a mom. For a long time and now they're older and I have all this free time <laughs> to dedicate to politics um, which is you know I again I'm not a politician I hate that word I think it's absolutely um, a dirty word almost 
but I care so much. I think that that we could do better. We should do better. And um, I don't want to see the United States. I mean, come on, how many countries do I have to leave? Already, Cuba's out the picture. Venezuela's out the picture. Come on, let's save America, please. Well, hey, <laughs> if, if it comes down to it, Martha, I, I'm sad to say this, but we got a friend of the show, uh, Mikkel Thorpe from the Expat Money Show. He could hook you up and get you get you to another place. He's good at doing that. But let's um let's let's look at this because I think to to your point, right? This this is something that we need to really be focusing on and, and talking about. Yes, the, the true failures of socialism because you know I so one of my most popular shows I had on my my show back 2018. It was a, a good friend of mine from college and and she grew up in Venezuela and to tell you know just the story of her family experiencing it firsthand and and really now you're to the point where family has to drive 45, 60 miles just to get medicine, like just common over-the-counter medicines, and and how quickly, truly, overnight, society can change. And you're pointing out right now that you're seeing these red flags, and we discuss it in, in Miami-Dade specifically, and I know we're seeing it across the, the nation. We're seeing folks really start to, to, to either A, in this something's wrong mentality, go towards one route, which is complete embrace of this larger bigger government or b an embracing of the understanding that it is the big government in the the starting of off point that's causing the problems to begin with so i guess my saying all this is to say well we have trouble right now i think framing the position in a way that shows that our solutions do in fact not just work but also create value so let me ask you this martha because you know, is, let's kind of look specifically, obviously, with, with your running in, in Miami-Dade. What are some of the the issues that you see in Miami-Dade that we can reach people on that are, you know, things that are beyond the, the political tribalism, just really this human-to-human basis that people are, are looking to find some answers to that we really are going to have the chance to catch their ear, pique their attention, and maybe get them to ask them some more questions? Oh boy. So besides the transportation and the taxes, because I really think, you know, that's really what a commissioner does. It's about the finances, right? right? So those things, I mean, those are obvious, but even beyond that, in Miami, we're a party town. There's not, there's, I mean, I talk to a lot of different people and off the record, a lot of politicians, a lot of lawyers, a lot of people here do drugs. It's just the reality. You go out to a club here and everybody's doing drugs, some sort of, you know, one drug or another. And it, it's not just the drug. It's the fact that it's a double standard because I know plenty of these people that have gotten caught and et cetera, and they get nothing happens to them. Our jails in Florida, especially specifically Miami, are filled and they're filled with people who have committed nonviolent victimless crimes. And so not only is it coming out of our property taxes and a huge chunk of our money that, that supports these jails come from our property taxes, but you know, you have to see the the toll on these people. If they can't bail out of jail, you know, they're stuck either pleading guilty or staying in jail for large periods of time. This is something that and then when they get out of jail, you know, they've obviously lost their job. They can't find another one. I mean, it's the human toll and it's for drugs. And these same politicians that are telling you it's illegal are the same people that are doing them. So it's a double standard. And then one step further, Miami is a town where everybody here is an immigrant of some sort um, from some Latin American country or another from somewhere. And so this war on drugs is also fueling the narco regime that maintains Cuba and Venezuela and the problems in Central America and the problems in Colombia and the problems in Peru. I mean, you can go down the list. So I think here, 
in Miami, I think that's a message that needs to be told. And I mean, honestly, throughout the United States, because come on, let's be honest, you're going to do drugs. You can find drugs. If I have teenagers and I've, I've asked each of them independently and their friends, it's like, what would be the hardest thing for you guys to obtain? And I go down the list, Molly. And they're like, I know somebody that sells that weed. Mom, come on. You know, and then it's like alcohol. And they're like, oh, that one would be a little hard. We got to get a fake ID or we got to get somebody to buy it. For so obviously this prohibition isn't working um, and it's not working and it's fueling the narco regimes and it's bad and it's a double standard. So those are things I think that's a main issue that we can we can reach out to people. Um, there's always going to be people that are like, no, drugs are bad and you must absolutely um, not have them and you can't let people get access to. I always come across those people. I think that if you've made up your mind that drugs are bad and that you're going to all of a sudden take a drug and drive a car and plow it into people. I mean, there are people that believe that. But um, I hope that that we can, you know, get past that and, and educate people that we're adults, just like alcohol. Alcohol is yes. way worse than most drugs. Um, obviously, there's a few hard ones. I'm not going to compare it to heroin or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, personally, cannabis is a big issue for me on the drug front. I um, I had issues. I had thyroid issues and cannabis has I don't want to say cure because I know that that's that's a very strong word, but I no longer have these thyroid issues. And so I'm a big believer. Um, I've met a lot of mothers who use cannabis so that their children, um, you know, Canna Moms is a group here in Florida that that promotes cannabis. And those moms have, give, have given cannabis to their kids for brain tumors, for Gervais syndrome, which is um, a disorder where the child has over 300 seizures a day. And um, I talk to these parents and they need easy access to their medicine, to cannabis. We in Florida, the, the latest license to sell for cannabis, we, we only have medical for those who don't know. We have medical marijuana in the state of Florida. <clears throat> the last license sold from one owner who got the license from the state of Florida, sold to the newest owner, a Canadian company for $60 million. So while you or I would go to jail for putting a seed into the ground that turns into into cannabis, into marijuana, whatever you want to call it, that license just sold for $60 million. Our rights are being sold by our politicians because it's crazy to say that, you know, if you pay $60 million, you can grow cannabis legally. And otherwise you're going to go to jail for a very long time and all your rights are taken away. So I think there's a lot of issues and just being honest with people. You know, I don't have all the answers. I am not going to fix all your problems. I'm not going to make COVID go away because I don't know how to, and I don't know anybody that knows how to, but I am going to work really hard to make sure that the money is being spent wisely. And if it's not being spent wisely, it's returned to the people. Where it belongs. Uh, man, so one of the lines you said, your rights being sold away by politicians. And that, that, that's really, that's strikes a, a chord. I think with a lot of people, especially here, because we, we see it time and again, um, you know, people will, and, and I'm going to say outside the, the larger Liberty movement, people tend to look at politicians as like these saviors and they, they like, well, these people are, they're running for office and they're going to do all these great things for me. And they say they're going to help me. And they don't realize that no, they're, they're, they're using your vote as a, a bargaining chip to the, the dangle, the carrot. So we're going to give you the carrot this time. They never get, you're not getting the carrot. Stop thinking that you're going to get the carrot guys. Like, and this is something we, we aren't going to see the change until we start to actually vote differently. We start to 
be, ourselves behave differently. And I think it, it does kind of go to your point, right, is that we have to at least start to address that elephant in the room and start to actually talk about these issues. And it's exciting. People are, are willing to have that conversation with you. Now, I'm curious what's which your experience so far and you mentioned Miami being a party town, but we're recording here, obviously, almost on, on one year anniversary of 15 days to slow the spread. So what's COVID been like in terms of its impact on Miami from, I guess, a cultural standpoint as well as a, a societal standpoint? I mean, are you guys shut down like you know a lot of these other major cities are still? So we got lucky that Florida didn't shut down to that extent. However, um, there's a little asterisk there because... We, Miami-Dade and Broward counties being the largest counties in the state of Florida, we actually did get shut down. We did get the um, stay home, whereas the rest of Florida went around, you know, they pretty much kept to normal. I've been outside of Miami-Dade and Broward and they barely even have mask mandates. So Miami-Dade has had a a lot different, uh, things are shut down, businesses are closed for good that aren't coming back, tons of restaurants, tons of places are closed for good. Again, all the party places, clubs, they're pretty much gone, uh, probably not to come back, a lot of them. And then you have, you know, politicians now, you have um, our, the mayor of the city of Miami, who's basically calling all the people from San Francisco, the big tech companies and saying, hey, come open up in Miami, we're going to give you all these incentives. So they um, hurt mom and pop shops, because of course, the Walmarts, the Targets, the big chain stores, those were all open, those they, they suffered very minimally. As a, or, or approved. I mean, look at Amazon. They did better. So while we heard these mom and pops, now we're trying to bring in even bigger companies to, you know, set up shop, which I'm thrilled that companies are looking at Miami and coming here and are going to invest and are going to open up, you know, opportunities for people. But I hate that we're forgetting about the people that built this community, that had their businesses, that worked their entire lives for or something and then we're just kind of like well you're not really important see that guy over there he's a silicon guy and he's way more important we're going to give him tax breaks we're going to give him these things so i mean uh society wise i think we're resilient i think that miami has been built on um a lot of immigrants miami is the way it is because we are a town of immigration um but you see it you see people hurting and um i, I hope we can come back i hope we can build it you know, back to where it was better than where it was even, but it's not exactly cut and dry, especially not when our politicians are making these decisions for us. And I don't see how more people aren't out there protesting these decisions. If I was a small business that had to be shut down for seven, eight months, um, I would be quite upset that they're bringing in people. I mean, we even got that Spike Cohen, the vice presidential candidate, came to Miami in October um, for his run. And the place that we had chosen to to do his event got shut down because of a noise ordinance over COVID, as if noise somehow causes COVID or something. But they shut down not only that business, but the other businesses in the area where we were also looking to do our uh, our event. So they, you know, obviously politics here is a dirty game. They did not want Spike Cohen to come and and show people that there are better ways. So uh, all of these little issues, you know, I see it and I'm, I'm upset that I don't see it on the news. I'm upset that our local news aren't covering these things. Everybody's just praising our mayor saying, Hey, great job. You're bringing in other people. You know, he's now talking about Bitcoin, Miami Dade, possibly paying, uh, you know, employees in Bitcoin, which I think is great. Hey, you know, I can't complain about that. 
But, um, you know, we can't forget about the people that were here that worked, that built their businesses. I think it's absolutely terrible what we've done to them. Yeah. And I think right now, in you mentioned we are seeing a difference. People are starting to ask more questions. And I think it goes hand in hand with the activism that you've been doing, coupled with, and yes, we are fighting a, a very, uh, shall we say, insulated media but it's it's incumbent on us, um, the the folks out there in the the independent media, to kind of raise these voices that traditionally would be ignored. You know, I I actually it's funny. I I had one of my friends ask me, Brian, you know, what what's been successful about your show? And I said, honestly, I think it's because we're talking about things that people really care about, and media is not doing that anymore. Like if I were to turn on CNN. And we were having a conversation, or not like let's say the topic is gun control, right? You're gonna get eight screaming heads on TV. Nothing's going to be accomplished. It's just gonna be, you know, it's just gonna be fingers pointing and, and loud noises. It's gonna be Brick Tamlin from Anchorman going loud noises. And you come to our show, and we're gonna have, you know, a pro-gun person, a person who's anti-gun or you know, wants gun control, and we're gonna have a dialogue. Or or I'm gonna have somebody who's a pro-gun person on, have a very in-depth conversation with them, and then flip it. We're gonna have an anti-gun person talk about that. And I think people are not only looking for those conversations, but we're kind of demanding it. And not just from the wanting it, but we're realizing as a society we need it. We, we need to be able to talk about this stuff and to be able to actually articulate our ideas, number one. Number two, to not approach this stuff with such vitriol and hatred and tribalism to the point that we can't engage in an actual back and forth dialogue where instead it just comes across as people screaming at each other. So, you know, I think it is going hand in hand of why we are doing what we're doing. And I say we in this greater liberty, you know, media uh, movement that I've found myself in, that you found yourself in, you know, it's in, it's really un- incumbent on us to go out there and walk the walk. So, you know, you, you mentioned that we are making, you know, some, some waves and people are starting to, to get more aware of who we are. You mentioned that they, goodness, shut down a business because Spike's coming to town. I know Spike, he's, uh, he's got that mixtape out there that's missing, but I didn't know he's that hot of a commodity that people were getting ready to shut down businesses. But Martha. No, they shut it down. They shut it down the night before. They that's came, the owner was alone in his establishment. He was sitting outside of it smoking a cigar, having a drink. I mean, the place is fantastic. If anybody comes to Miami, it's Cuba Ocho. It's in Little Havana. We had an amazing time outside the event because we couldn't do it inside. Um, and we've actually hosted every single LPMD, uh, Libertarian Party of Miami-Dade meeting there ever since. Um, the good news is we've become great friends with the owner. <laughs> um, I also do Hispanic outreach for the Libertarian Party. So my good friend and I, Zach Foster, we do um, Libertario Hispanos on LPTV once a week, Wednesday evenings. And um, it's completely in Spanish. So, uh, you know, to reach out to uh, people within the United States, but also people outside of the United States. Liberty doesn't end at our borders. And um, Roberto from QO, he came on our show too. He is, has an amazing story. He's another Cuban who not only left Cuba, but he brought a lot of artwork and books and works from Cuba. So he's his goal is also to preserve that culture and that history, because believe it or not, the Cuban culture in Cuba is no is it's not what it used to be. And so we have to preserve it and preserve it here in Miami. Seems like a good thing. So 
I mean, you know, <laughs> Spike has a lot of pull. They they really wanted that place shut down and they got it. They, yeah. I mean, I yeah. I was gonna say, well, no, Spike, he's he's intimidating. I get it. No, he's gonna be on the show. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to push him on this. Um, but you know, I was I was gonna say it is it is showing that when we are starting to ruffle feathers, that we're gonna get pushback. And I think we need to be prepared for that. So what we need to do is we need to keep having these conversations. We need to keep on not only raising up activists who are out there doing good, um, but also go out and support said activists. So with that being said, Martha, I want to make sure that my audience is pointed in the right direction. So where can folks go ahead, follow you, support all that you're doing, and obviously learn more about your candidacy running for Miami-Dade District 10? So you can follow me on Twitter at MarthaBueno18 or on Instagram at Martha4Miami. Uh, website is yet to be ready, so we'll we'll hold off on that. Um, Facebook, of course, you can follow me on Facebook slash Martha4Miami. Or if you're interested, if you speak Spanish, um, come join us on Libertario Panos on uh, Facebook as well. And you can see our show there. Um, we try and talk about a little bit of everything here in the U.S. and outside. Um, you know, we've talked about elections in Latin America. We talk about things that are going on there. Things are, you know, happening here. All things libertarian. And we're having an event this Friday with Gloria Alvarez and Antonio Lamarti, which are huge um, libertarian stars in their own right. Uh, Antonella is from um, Argentina. And Gloria ran for president of Guatemala and they've both written books and they're these amazing stars that I am like starstruck over and I can't wait to like hang out with them at this event. Um, but yeah, so um, those are pretty much the places you can find me. <laughs> well, fantastic. So how about this? We'll include all the links in the show notes. So it's easy as pie for folks to go ahead and follow you, support all the work you're doing and obviously raise up all of you. The, uh, the, the not only the good stuff, but uh, also the actual successes that we're going to be having coming down the pike. Martha Bueno running for Miami-Dade District 10. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. A quick read from our new sponsor, and that is the Expat Money Show. Now, if you are a longtime listener or even a relatively new listener here on The Brian Nichols Show, then you remember our good friend Mikkel Thorup from the Expat Money Show. What an episode to learn that just because you were born in one country doesn't mean that you have to pay your taxes there forever to do your banking there, or to have your investments there, raise your family there, or even have your companies register there, learn there, get your kids educated there, or even live your life there. How about that? You can go ahead and live your life wherever it is you see fit. Because the Expat Money Show, which is hosted by our friend Mikhail Thorup, originally started as a podcast but has grown to a worldwide community of entrepreneurs who are living international location, independent lifestyles. Mikkel is focused on helping you live an international life by looking at problems through the lens of global solutions. In this day and age, there is no reason you should let borders get in the way of having the best the world has to offer. So, Brian Nichols Show audience, head over to the Expat Money Show today. Give Mikkel a subscribe, a fantastic show, and tell him that Brian Nichols sent you. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Martha Bueno. 
part two of our special candidate series here on The Brian Nichols Show. And if you enjoyed today's episode, will do me a favor. Please be sure to go ahead and hit that share button and make sure you go ahead and tag me at B Nichols Liberty Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com, and Parlor.com. And if you particularly enjoyed today's episode, well, two things. Number one, email me. Let me know. Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. And if you really, really, really enjoyed it, head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us that illustrious five-star rating and review. I read every single review. And yes, you heard it back here on Friday. We go ahead and read every single five-star rating and review. So make sure you go ahead. You have now through Friday to get your reviews in. So I uh, look forward to seeing what awesome content we have to uh, look forward to here on Friday. So with that being said, folks, we have a lot of great episodes lined up for you this week. Starting things off on Monday with the CEO and seventh secretary of Phi Beta Kappa, Frederick M. Lawrence. So make sure you are not missing a single episode. Hit that subscribe button. With that being said, though, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Martha Bueno. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.